Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Liam, it is a very nice evening down here on the South Coast. How, uh, how are you doing today? It was all right. It was pretty sunny when I got back from work and about 15 20 minutes before we started recording it started tipping it down typical british weather but apart from that it's going well how, how are you rich how's everything yeah, good in general it's been, been, been a bit of a mental day i've been up to see family in north london today so i spent four and a half hours in a car driving around the n25 which yes yeah, not not the the dream day shall we say but it was nice to see people um so diving into this week's show we are joined by a very exciting guest this is the newest member of the five yard dynasty team uh, so this is danny roberts or as he is known on twitter at dynasty dan one danny how are you doing yeah i'm good happy to be here guys it's been been fantastic having you part of the team very excited to to get you on and uh, i think is, is this your podcast debut it is yeah so i'm very carefully going over what i'm gonna say before i say it in my head <laughs> um, but you guys are a great host to be to be doing my first one with, so I'm I'm in safe hands. We'll uh, we'll go easy with me, Danny. Don't worry. So um, so I mean, in terms of you, Danny, so how how did you get into kind of American football as a as a Brit? I guess following watching, how did you get into it? Yeah, I think um, growing up, I just seemed to be obsessed with all things America. Like 
I was watching Saved by the Bell as a kid and wanted to be a high school pl- like player, being that whole <laughs> whole vibe, be- become the player, make it to the NFL. So I thought the next best thing is probably watching because that's not a realistic goal. Um, so I started following the Vikings for my sins, um, and yeah, it it kind of kind of spanned from there. Really, it was just it was like a, a chess game, but a physical chess game. Um, because I think what's lost on a lot of people that don't follow the sport is just how strategic the game is. And I think that's what made me fall in love with it is knowing that it's not just running at each other hundred miles an hour nonstop. It's there's a lot of strategy behind it. And when you get that, it becomes the best sport in the world for me. Yeah. yeah I, I had the same, I, I had the same thing, Danny, when I explain to people that I'm into NFL and fan, and fantasy football, specifically for American football. A lot of people tend to just go, oh, yeah, the, the American version of rugby or something along those lines. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you get to hit each other, but there's so much more you don't see. But, yeah, I get the exact same thing. Yeah, it's the one, one or two comments, isn't it? It's the, the stop-start nature or the fact that they wear pads. And, and, yes. and that's the sort of reaction I always get from people who don't have a clue. So how, how did you kind of transition that, that interest in football into fantasy football then? Um, well, I think I, I grew up playing um, what I now affectionately call soccer um, and with that fantasy football. So the I think the, the earliest time I remember getting into fantasy was I went to Manchester Airport about seven or eight and I was supposed to be looking at the planes and playing with the other kids at this pub nearby. And I was reading a newspaper um, and picking my fantasy team. And it was back in the time where you had to write the names down on the list that you cut out and send it in. I remember this. And you used to have to send in your transfers each week and stuff like that and get the points. I I did the same. I I did the Telegraph one and I also did the Telegraph cricket as well. So uh, Liam, if you, if you, I know, I know you're a bit younger, but papers are the, so it's like where you get news on <laughs> now. You used to, you used to get it in like a A4 piece of paper that you'd read. I get all these young jokes at work. I don't need them here as well. Rich. <laughs> And then, so how how did you you know obviously you, you're relatively new to the the kind of content game. How did you pluck up the courage to, I guess, start kind of offering your thoughts and opinions out out to the world? Yeah, so I mean, I, I transitioned from my days of sending in my newspaper things to fantasy football in the NFL community and started Dynasty in 2019, I think. With I knew one of the guys there, and it's become quite a close knit group now. Um, in, in that league. And aside from that, I studied sports journalism and did a lot of sports media work. Um, I, I say professionally, but it always feels like anyone can write about sports. So I always feel like a fraud. Um, <laughs> but then I've, I've moved away from that and started working in, in comms and stuff, but I missed that sort of sporting aspect. And I was listening to you guys and, and reading your stuff and thought, I've got opinions that people might or may not be interested in. And it saved me boring my girlfriend with Drew Sample is going to have a great chance this year because CJ Azoma went down and she's like, yeah, yeah, cool. And I thought if I can get that onto uh, the web and get people talking about it, then um, yeah, maybe it'll be a bit more fulfilling than the the pity that I was getting at home. So that's how I moved into, into writing and um, well, eventually podcasting with you guys. Well, we're very grateful you did because it's been fantastic having you, having you on board and then certainly reading your stuff. You're uh, Fantastic first article and very much looking to more. So um, moving on to, to this week's topic. So what we've got is after taking the mick out of Liam a couple of weeks ago for, for sitting on the fence, 
um what i thought was as we're getting into the season it's you know time time for some hot takes so uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to each each offer up uh a couple of hot takes that we think are are realistic in terms of we we truly believe that they will happen but obviously buck, buck the trend in terms of consensus we're we're trying to look at this kind of from a slightly dynasty focus um but danny you're the guest you get you get to lead us with uh, with your first hot take yeah so i'm the way i've done this is i'm coming in mild and building up in in heat <laughs> and intensity but um my first one is uh tua tangavailoa to finish as a top 10 fantasy qb um i think he's current adp at the minute he's going around qb 16 um but i think he'll he'll definitely be in the top 10 and i'm going to throw out my reasoning why but i was one of the two doubters after last year but i've done a little bit more digging into what went wrong and i think two had one of the best college seasons well college careers that we've seen breaking records at alabama and ncaa um and i think there's a lot of stock being put into how well herbert did who was taken after tour not taking into account that two is coming off a pretty horrific hip injury um, COVID ran riot with any sort of preseason planning or anything that you could do with the team. Uh, so I think this year he's coming into it with a, a second year having learnt the playbook, um, figured out what he needs to do to succeed at this level. Because, I mean, I've never played that, but I know that it's a very different game to to college. Um, and I think too many people look back at last year and think, well, he was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They didn't fancy him to take on the big situations. They didn't put enough faith in him. How has that affected his confidence? Um, but one thing that I did see from Miami is they went out and got him some weapons. So Jalen Waddle's now there. And I think what's most exciting about this is I get to talk about Will Fuller because I really bought into you selling him to me on the last podcast. <laughs> um, and I think those two are just going to really stretch open the field. And I think he was an accurate passer last year for the most part, but this is really going to show off a deep ball um, and prove that you can still do that and do that at the next level. Um, but yeah, I think with Jasicki, Gaskin coming back, I think Ahmed in the backfield as well isn't a bad one, but they're all upgrades on, I think back to week 15 last year and his receiving core. I've had to write them down because I would forget who some of these guys were, uh, but Lynn Bowden, Matt Collins, Durham Smythe and Isaiah Ford. And it's it's not the most stellar group of receivers to be thrown to. So this year, there's no excuses, but I don't think he's going to have any. And I think he'll work his way into a top 10 QB for this year and beyond. Nice. And Liam, are you are you a tour believer or, a, you know, a, a tour time is done? No, I, I'm with Danny on this. I really like this one. I thought of tour as soon as I put the show sheet together and thought let's do some hot takes let's throw Danny in the in the fire to start his first uh podcast and get him putting his word out there but yeah I really I really like to to uh finish as a top 10 QB this year as Danny mentioned I, I think everything he said um really has some emphasis and I, I can't argue with any of it if you're throwing to Isaiah Ford, Jakeen Grant, et cetera, as your wide receiver two, if not wide receiver one, then what 
chance do you have as an NFL QB? So I really like this. What what do you think about this, Rich? I think it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's difficult for me because I was the biggest tour believer coming out of college. He was my QB one um, coming out from a NFL and a, and a dynasty focus. Um, and after last season, I was completely out on tour. He was my QB, I think, 20 off the top of my head. Um, and I really was just a case of, I just didn't think he had it. I thought that game where Fitzpatrick came in the third quarter where Tua had had like 30 pass attempts, 20 completions for like 80 yards. It was it was just basically looked like he, he didn't want to move the ball downfield at all. And he sort of was a little bit gun shy. Um, and that's always going to, you're always going to look gun shy when you're playing against Ryan Fitzpatrick. But we won't get into that. Um, but I, I I think I'm starting to believe in, in kind of tour a little bit more. I think I'm probably still a bit lower than consensus, but I, I do love the weapons. You know, I, I do think that Devontae Parker is, is still an above average, you know, jump ball, contested catch receiver. I think Will Fuller is, you know, potentially a fantastic kind of deep threat. And I think Jalen Waddell, whilst I'm lower on him, than consensus quite considerably from a, a kind of a fancy perspective. I think as an NFL weapon, as a movable piece that can, you know, line up all over that receiving core, I think he will draw the attention of defences and I think it's going to help Tua. Do I think he's going to finish as a top 10 QBE? Absolutely not. But, you know, I, 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 I can see where you're both coming from and I, I wouldn't be shocked if he did, put it that way. All it takes is a couple of injuries, which happened last year to some of the top guys, Burrow, Dak. You, you see those top guys go and that opens a couple of spots in that top 10. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we sit here and say top 10, but top basically you can be a top 20 QB by playing 16 games. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, so definitely. It's, it's not that far for him to jump up, is it, and finish as a top 10. I just, for me, you know, it's, it's a, a hill that I'll die on. I think that as a dynasty community is dynasty world we overvalue age massively when it comes to quarterbacks and for the price of him give me you know a, a, yes a, a less sexy name but a, a matt ryan uh ryan Tannehill, anybody that is in that similar tier in terms of price a matt stafford someone like that that i've seen produce at those higher levels but I'm, I've not got the massive question mark. And I guess, uh, yes, I'm potentially capping my ceiling because two has got QB one overall potential, hasn't he? Um, but I just, I just, it's, it's a risk I'm not willing to take, put it that way. So my hot take then, um, and this is even, even hotter because I've seen some camp video come out today of him making some ridiculous catches in camp. Uh, and it's going to be Carl Pitch related. Uh, so I have said that I think Cole Pitts, who is currently going as the tight end two in July ADP, which is mind blowing to me, I'll be honest. I've said that he will finish the season outside the top five in Dynasty ADP. Danny, I'm going to come to you first. Do you think I'm the only person in the world that's, that's anti Cole Pitts or, or are you fully on board? I think you might be the only person in the world that's, <laughs> anti Cal Pitts, but I don't necessarily think that's a negative. Um, my first piece that I wrote for Five Yard Rush was about not believing the hype. Um, and Pitts was someone that I I potentially could have included in there because I think the hype definitely precedes 
what we know that he can do at the next level. He was obviously a, a phenom at, at college. Um, I do disagree with the take because as, um, well, as many of the five-year brush guys say, tight end isn't the best position for fantasy. And I don't think it takes much of a star to come in and break into that top five. And I think that given the draft capital that the Falcons gave up for him, drafting him as high as they did, I think they're going to force feed him the ball anyway. Um, and there's a lot of weapons on that offense that will get a lot of attention from defense. So I think he does have a real chance to ball out. And I think he does scrape into the top five. And you, you think he's going to keep that dynasty ADP as a, as a truly elite guy moving forward? Yeah, I think if he has the season that every man and his dog apart from you are predicting, um, I think he has to. And he starts really prematurely getting mentioned alongside guys like Kelsey Kittle and Waller. Um, I think he jumped into that. Liam, are you you in agreement with me or are you agreeing with Danny? I think you've got to take everything Danny just said about Kyle Pitts and add me to whichever side you're on, Rich, because I'm with you on this. I don't believe in the hype for Pitts. I love him as a prospect, but he's going as the tight end too. He's got to have a better rookie season than Engram, and everyone was all over Engram. I just don't see it happening He's got to have literally a record-breaking season. Right? Yeah, as I said, don't see it happening. So I'm with you on this. I think, so let, let me walk you through this because I'm, I'm a huge Carl Pitts believer. I love Carl Pitts, the player. I had 100% ownership of him in my Devi leagues coming into this season. I, I was all in on him and I think he is going to be incredible. My issue with him is this price, okay? He is currently going as the tight end two in Dynasty. In redraft, he's going, I think, as the tight end four, which is still just as mind-blowing. There has been, I think, two rookie wide receiver, uh, rookie tight ends in the last 20 years that have had top 10 seasons, and that's Rob Gronkowski and Evan Ingram. Okay, So I don't know how many tight ends have been drafted in that time, but two out of 20 years seems you know, pretty small. We'll say the percentage are pretty small. I think that whilst everybody talks about tight end is, you know, tight end is shallow, there's there's no studs in tight ends. I think that Kittle, Kittle, Kelsey and Waller, you know, those are three studs. I think we're fully expecting those three to perform this year. And if they do, those are going to stay as those top three tight ends. Okay. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if a couple from the Hawkinson, Fant, Andrews, Goddard tier jumped up and were, you know, top two, top three producers this year. And I think if that happens and Cole Pitts has a season where he's not even a top 10 tight end, I could easily see his dynasty value start to drop because people in the dynasty community, as much as they need to be thinking, you know, over the next two, three years, everybody is very much of a, what have you done for me lately? And I just think that I wouldn't be shocked if Carl Pitts had a good season, showed some flashes, but I just can't believe that he's going to hold this tight end two cost at the moment. 
you know, he's in in a super flex draft. He's the thirty eighth pick off the board. That's that's a fourth round pick on a and and this, we're not talking tight end premium. That is a normal standard tight end scoring. It's just I can't get my head around the cost. As I said, I love the player. And I just think there's going to be a bit of an overcorrection. We saw it last year with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where the price got absolutely ridiculous before the season. He had a good rookie season. He Yes, he, he battled injuries at the end of the season, but he actually was solid. He didn't get the touchdowns. He didn't get the passing game usage, but he was solid. And his price has absolutely plummeted. And I wouldn't be shocked if we saw the same thing with Carl Pitts. But I appreciate I'm very much on an island with that one. And uh, and everybody else is probably going to have me because I think as soon as you say anything negative about Kyle Pitts, you kind of get destroyed. So, Liam, we've, I feel like we've we've slowly sort of warmed the fire with some, some, some warm takes, you know, and I, I feel like you're coming in absolutely scorching. I know uh, Tom of, of Five Yard College may, may disown you and, and not talk to you after this. Yeah, I think I think this one is starting the other end of the scale from you guys. You guys have started mild in the Nando scale, and I've started extra hot. So, so my hot take is Trey Lance, who went third overall in the NFL draft, potentially even QB two in most of your Superflex rookie drafts, is not going to be drafted as a top 24 QD, uh, QB by ADP next season in startups. And not only that, he's going to be the fifth drafted quarterback in this draft just gone. So what are you guys thinking about this? Because my thought around this is his price is way too high for someone that may not start for over half a season. My my thought around Lance is all the other four quarterbacks in this class, so T-Law, who's obviously going to start, Wilson, who again is going to start, Field and um, Mac Jones have to beat someone out, but I think that they will do that this season. All of those teams are either non-contenders or they've already got the starting job. For Lance, he's on a contending team. If that team doesn't have injuries like they had last season to star players, I don't know whether Lance gets the role of QB1 in that team. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is the better skill set there or anything like that. I just don't think that if the 49ers are going to try and get another or get to the next Super Bowl and try and win it like they did two years ago or tried to two years ago, sorry. I don't think Lance is going to see the field outside of a QB injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's where all of this is based from. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't like Lance as a profile or as a player. I think there's question marks I've got for him, but I think it all comes around every other quarterback I am confident will have playing time this year, if not over half a season. With Lance, he's the only one I can foresee a real opportunity where he doesn't play for the entire season. I'll throw it over to Danny as he's the guest. How do you feel about that, Danny? Because that is some spiciness to heat up this episode. I think 
when I read it on the show sheet, I thought that is very spicy, but actually you've sold it to me quite well there. Um, I think I'm, I'm with you. All reports seem to point towards Jimmy G being the starter this year. And the only reason that Lance would get on the field is if there is an injury to him or if they're not doing too great and they try and rush Lance in, which I don't think helps his prospects either because that's never going to help a QB succeed, especially a young rookie. Um, and there's kind of, there's a side of me that's thinking back to the draft and whether it was a smokescreen or not, but Matt Jones was meant to be going to the 49ers and then it seemed to switch to Lance. Now, I don't know what's going on in the back office with Kyle Shanahan, but for that change and did that come late in the day? Were they sold on Trey Lance all along? Were they ready to make him the starter? I'm not I'm not sure. Um, and I think it is quite fickle, his dynasty at times, for a lot of people. So if they don't see him take the field, a lot of players, and they see Jimmy G do a quite serviceable job, um, I can see him dropping in, in ADP. And I'm on board. I'm not sitting on any fence. I'm jumping over with Liam. So can I, can I jump in and say that, look, I don't disagree with anything either of you just said, okay? But you're both completely wrong. (laughs) So I'm a strong believer that I don't think Trey Lance sees the field this year unless those two scenarios you said, Jimmy G gets injured or the 49ers are are rubbish and and are essentially trying to see what they've got in their quarterback. I think that they're going to be a playoff contender this year. I think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender and I think that Jimmy G is going to be the quarterback for that. Okay. All that being said, Trey Lance is currently going as the QB 11 in DLF ADP. Okay. Let me take you back a couple of years. Patrick Mahomes was going as the QB 12 after being drafted. He then didn't play for the entirety of his rookie season, except that QB was it week 16 or week 17 game where he, he played. He was then going as the QB 16 after, after not playing all year. I think that if a quarterback doesn't play, their value is almost kind of safeguarded and it's kind of protected and they won't drop in value. I think the only way we see a rookie quarterback plummet in value is if they play and are terrible. And I think that Trey Lance not playing will actually mean that his value probably stays up than a you know, a Mac Jones or, or someone like that who, who could play as a rookie but look poor because they might have not have the supporting cast around them. And I think that even if Trey Lance looked dreadful throwing the ball, he, he's the ultimate Konami code. He has got that rushing upside. And I think that even if, you know, he, he, he looks like Cam Newton did last year throwing the ball, which I don't think he does. I think Trey Lance is fantastic. But just because he's the kind of guy that can easily get 1,000 a a yards rushing, you know, 10 touchdowns rushing, I just can't see how he's ever going to f- drop out that top 12 QB in the next two years. I get that. And I, I that was the one thing that really kept me from dropping him even further in in the hot take and I I think that's kind of what's kept me grounded a lot around the 24 mark the only thing I'd say is he didn't play 
last season in college and he didn't play this season in college. So people have got, is it the one year of college, I believe? That's it. There's nothing else to base a QB 12 uh, pick off. That's where I'm coming from on it. And I know that, as we saw with the tight end, Carl Pitch, uh, just the fantasy community is not reasonable when it comes to rookies. I think that's that's known across the board. You get the rookie hype, but I think with Lance not playing two whole seasons, people will start to question, it, especially as it's Jimmy G. And I, as I said, just Jimmy G isn't the skill set that I would have in front of Lance in a straight one-on-one competition. But I think that's going to make people question it a little bit more. Yeah. Whether it gets to the twenty-four mark is that's where I'm. That's where the hot take comes in. But yeah, I definitely agree with you where you're coming from on there. Look, for me, he's he's my QB seventeen. As I, I keep banging on, I think age is the most overrated thing when it comes to quarterbacks. I, I don't get it because it, a rookie contract is basically the only point at which a quarterback can be cut. So I don't get why we obsess over these Yuki guys because we're dreaming over him being our next quarterback for 20 years. Well, how many leagues last more than two, three years? How many, you know, you're, you're, we need to work in two to three year windows. If I can guarantee Matt Stafford's going to be a, a QB one for the next two, three years, then I'm taking that over Trey Lance every day of the week. But I just, I just think that as a community, because of his age, because of that rushing outside, I think that that value is kind of, protected slightly so spinning back to you then Danny your your second hot take what you got for us um I don't know a little bit more spice I think but I'm going with Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be the best of the 2020 running back class and break into being a top five running back overall um so I think he's currently going about RB 16 um and you touched on it before he had a very solid season as a rookie he's got the negative of being in an absolutely stellar passing offense and Mahomes could be thrown to his third fourth best choice and still be getting ridiculous results um I think going back to what we said about Tua before I think if Mahomes is throwing to Durham Smythe or whoever I think he makes it look good um it just so happens that the Chiefs are just absolutely loaded um, but going back to uh, Clyde Edwards-Hiller's stats, so he got 217 touches last year, 1,100 scrimmage, yard, scrimmage yards and five touchdowns. And it was the touchdowns that I think worried a lot of people and his red zone usage, um, even to the fact where they brought Le'Veon Bell um, in to maybe take up that aspect and that didn't play out. Um, but this year, uh, Jerick McKinnon has come in there as well. None of the names in the backfield I'm worried about taking away many touches from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. There was a lot of concern last year. He only went over 100 yards twice. Um, And as you say, he took a few knocks towards the end of the the season. But with Tua, we're coming into a second year. We've got a full off-season behind us, full camp where he's the guy. He's going to come in as this stud running back that I think, as you say, a lot of people have probably taking a step back from him because of his lack of touchdowns. Um, I just think that there's no regression in that. That number's going to go up from five. I think it just has to, given the talent that we're talking about. Um, And I think he's shown signs in camp that he's going to get a lot more involved in the passing game, which is just going to help um, 
rightfully stock straight into the top five. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I think that best overall running back from 2020 class, I think I'd, I'd be shocked if if he bumps above, you know, potentially Jonathan Taylor. And I know Lynn would disagree with me, but I think John Joe Swift. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think the ceiling is absolutely there. I think it, for me, it all revolves around that pass game usage. I think if we can see him be a 60 to 80 target guy, then I think, you know, the ceiling is the roof to steal Michael Jordan's phrase. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a goal line back. We saw last year, I think he was six. He had six goal line carries in the week one. And then I think he had two for the rest of the season, um, having gained a net one yard on that, on that week one game. Um, so for me, I think I love Clyde woods and he's absolutely a guy that I've been trying to buy everywhere I can because I think his cost is so depreciated right now. As you said, this was a guy that was a, a top five overall pick last year in, in startups, not just in rookie periods, in startups. And I wouldn't be shocked if he got back there. But I, yeah, I, I guess I don't know if he's going to be that, that number one running back from the 2020 class. Liam, Liam where are you on CH? I think I really like this. Um, I think the top five running back overall is where the spice comes from this take. I agree with the best overall from the 2020 class. Um, I think Taylor is similar into what Pitts is at the moment. He had a good end to last season. So his price is higher than it would have been um, had he had just had that over the normal, like over the stretch of the season. So I think Clyde has great potential to get above um, Taylor and be the the running back one overall in the 20 class. Uh, or Yeah, the 20 class, sorry. But running back five overall, that's the spicy part. And thinking of the running backs, I really need to consider it. I can, I can see him just being outside, probably running back seven running back six or seven, but definitely around that mark. So what if, we, if we're taking a pure dynasty aspect to this, what are you guys comfortable paying for CEH to, to go and trade for him tomorrow? Are, are you comfortable paying two firsts or do you think that, that would be too rich for you? Danny? Uh, ooh, yeah, I think I would be comfortable with that. I'm coming in this seeing Jonathan Taylor going as high as running back two. And thinking if people are expecting him to be finishing there, then for Clyde Edwards to outdo the whole class, he's got to be top five. And I'm, I'm with you. I really like the player and the prospect, but I just think that in his second year, he's he's just going to up in the passing game, um, and that for me just makes him someone that I want to buy now because I think his price next year, if I'm in a an established league, is just going to be something that I can't afford to pay. Yeah, I think he's he's a screaming by low currently. I completely agree with that. So, Liam, if we're going to stick with the 2020 running back class, do you want to let us know your uh, your second hot take? I think this is, again, another very spicy take because I know that you said uh, we're going to stick with Swift. And when when we were talking pre-show about this, uh, this, you said that you're not sitting on the fence anymore. So we'll, we'll see how you two feel about it in a second. So... For my hot take number two, I'm going to go Swift. So DeAndre Swift, 
will be considered a low RB2. So I'm saying below what RB18 um, by this time next year. So he'll have a roughly a fourth round ADP. So my reasoning behind this is at the moment he's going right around that edge of the RB1 mark, um, around RB12. And he's in an offense that has no passing weapons. You've got Hawkinson and then who? You've got Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Cephas, Amon Ross and Brown the rookie. Yes, I think they're going to lean on Swift more than you would do normally, but they're going to be down in a lot of games. I don't think it's going to be a situation, I can't remember which team was it, that was running at the clock last year. Was it Washington, maybe, that was literally just running out of the clock? Or it might have been two years ago, sorry, when they had Haskins. And they were literally just playing two and a half hour games rather than three and a half hours because they were just running the ball every quarter. They're, they're not trying to win. I just don't see Swift's RB1 upside this year because of the lack of passing options. You can stack the box. You can go, say to Goff, you're not in the Mac- McVay offense anymore. Throw the ball and you'll be throwing it to one of our defenders, not one of your receivers. I just don't see that passing attack. So I think Swift is going to get stuffed a lot more than people want to admit. And I think that's going to drop his price. And then coming from a Green Bay Packer fan, I also think Jamal Williams is going to have a bigger role than the 20 to 30% people are going to just give to him and move on. I think he's going to have a lot more uh, to do with that offense, especially with the lack of pass catching options. Because Jamal Williams showed that he can catch the ball and do it pretty well in Green Bay. So I think he's going to snipe some touchdowns and that's going to rile people up when Swift could have been getting those. And yeah, I just don't think that he's going to be an RB1 next year. So I'm going to say he's going to be an RB2 and a low-end RB2 next year. So before I jump on and defend my boy, Danny, where are you on Swift? I'm going to be standing right beside you, I think, Rich. I think... um... I've been a big fan of Swift and, and it comes to something that Liam's seen as a, a negative. And I think the fact that Detroit don't really have a team that anyone is expecting to do anything, they are going to lean on Swift a lot more. And I think this is the year that he can show that he is the guy and will be the guy for years to come. Um, I also think that Goff has a lot to prove this year. So I think he will try and regain that form that, I mean, this is a guy that, took a team to a Super Bowl, and I know it's in a McVay offense, but he showed signs of being a real stud QB, and I think he needs to show that this season or he's going to be knocking on job centre doors next season. Um, With that contract, I don't think he's ever going near anywhere near a job centre. <laughs> well, no, I think he, he's done the Sam Bradford route of um, of contracts, I think. Um, yeah, he's set, he's set for life, but I think he will wish to play, so I think he's going to have a bit of a resurgence next year. And Williams and Perryman could surprise. I don't think they are. That's not my hot take. But I think there will be a passing game there. I do like what you said around Jamal Williams. Um, I really like him as a player. He's a great guy to have on the team as well, just watching some of his 
interviews this week where he's been talking about SpongeBob and Olaf from Frozen. He just seems like a, a wonderful guy to have in the dressing room. And he seems like he's going to be getting a lot of the ball as well. Um, but I wrote about not believing the hype on Jamal Williams because there was the coach speak about him being an A-back and Swift would be the pass-catching back. And I defended Swift then. And he only started four games last year, did Swift, with 521 yards on the ground, 357 through the air. I think there's going to be an improvement on, on his rookie season. Um and I just think volume's going to play a big part here. And I, I do think that they're going to go into the season wanting to win games, whether towards the end of the season they realise that that's not going to happen and they do run out the clock. I can't disagree with that. But I just think that Swift is, is going to show that he can ball out this year. Music to my ears. I think, for me, look, I think DeAndre Swift at the end of this season will be in the, the category of most talented running back in the league. I think he is that good. And I think he's going to be, you know, thrown around with that, that kind of moniker. I think he can do everything. I think that he's going to get the volume that Danny alluded to. I think that the thing with Swift that he's got over the likes of Jonathan Taylor is that he is an absolute movable piece. You can line Swift up outside. You can line him up in the slot. You can, you know, release him out of the backfield. And he is a fantastic weapon in the passing game, as well as that running back usage. I think that on the Jamal Williams point, Liam, okay, as a Packers fan, the last two years, Jamal Williams has had a, what, like a 40% split in that Packers backfield. What's the other running back produced as a fantasy product in those two, in those two offenses those years? Yeah, and I know where you're going with this point. <laughs> Rich game prep. I am I am more than happy to admit that Aaron Jones was the RB5 or a top RB5 in both of those years. Uh, RB5 but, last year, RB2 the year before. I but rebuttal to that. Do you think the Lions offense is going to be anywhere near what the Packers offense has been for the past 2 years? Not not at anywhere all. Anywhere near. But I think that uh, do you I think really that, think Swift is going to be the RB two next year or in the RB one range? I don't th- foresee Jamal Williams getting a forty percent share in this offense. And I think to to counter your point about the wide receivers, okay, and this is where I think that we're looking at this offense too much as a fantasy offense rather than an NFL offense. And I think that whilst Brashad Perrin and Tyra Williams. And if you want to throw Quintus Cephas and Armand Rasa Brown in there, please do. But Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman aren't going to be great fantasy receivers. They aren't going to be great NFL receivers. But what asset do they both possess in bundles? Pace. Okay? They are both rapid. If you are lining up one on each side of the field, the, t- the defense has to shade a safety over both. You can't go single high against Detroit. Because if you go single high and they've got Williams and they've got Perriman, they can both get open deep and run past any corner in the NFL. Okay, So you're going to have to keep teams out of those seven, eight in the box and they're going to have to keep two safeties back. So I think that whilst from an, a fancy standpoint, we're looking at it going, well, they don't have any good receivers, so teams are going to load the box. But actually, speed kills. And speed is what dictates that safety having to be out of the box rather than, you know, you you can go and stick a fantastic receiver, but if he's slow, teams don't have to honour that with this the safety over the top. And I just think that 
that pace and the reason they've gone out and got that is they've gone okay we don't want to go and spend big bucks on a wide receiver because we're rebuilding and we want to build around the trenches but i think that they're saying actually if we go and stick two really fast guys safety's got to sit over the top and it's going to give swift room to move and also you've got they've invested in that offensive line that offensive line is going to be better i just think that that swift is a good enough player that I'd be gobsmacked if he fell into the low RB2 range that you're talking about. Okay, so I agree with what you're saying, and I'm not going to refute any of that because I do agree with it. The only other point I have, which I've come prepared with today, is out of the 2020 class, who do you think is going to drop out of this RB1 range? You've got CH Taylor, where do you think Gibson's going to drop out if Swift's going to move up? Do you think Dobbins is going to? Akers has dropped out, unfortunately. But I cannot see five five running backs from this class being RB1s next year. And I think that's the way the community is looking at this going into next year. But you don't you, for me, Swift doesn't have to drop out. He's my he's my RB6 currently. I'm I'm all in on Swift. I don't I don't see that he has to drop out or other guys need to drop out to make room for him. He's, he's in that, you know, second tier for me. Um, I, I'm very much a believer that, that Swift is a, a stud that's going to be able to carry your fantasy, you know, your dynasty team for the next two, three years. Right. I think me and Rich are going to be arguing about this <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> so let's move on. Danny, give us your oh, last I... hot take. Oh, hang of... on. Hang on, hang on. The you're argument's skipping, really skipping. kicked off because you've skipped Rich. You're skipping me here, Liam. That's outrageous. I don't know. My bad. <laughs> should, we, <laughs> should we run back in? Like, it's because I've gone from Danny to Liam and then I've just gone next it's, on the show sheet. Uh, it's, it's my fault for jumping around the show sheet. Blame me. So your my, my should we second... count us back in? Or... No, let's carry no. on. We'll keep this in. So my, my second hot take is that I believe Cincinnati will have two top 12 dynasty wide receivers at the end of the season. I like it. I wouldn't have minded if you'd have dropped the top 12 to a top 25 and thrown it in. Cause I believe you're going to go with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see, I can't see Tyler Boyd. We're given his age, given thrown, this situation. I can't I think see you could throw Tyler Boyd 12. in there as well. Um, I really like, this take, especially with Chase and Higgins. I think Higgins showed a lot last year and I think too many people are writing him off just because Chase is coming in. What I do like most about Chase is Joe Burrow is coming off a horrific injury and he's got his old friend back and I think he's going to become the safety blanket and that will allow a lot of teams to think he's going to just keep throwing to Chase, which leaves a very talented receiver in Higgins wide open and I think they're both going to feast this year I completely agree what, what about you Liam are you going to take your opportunity to to fire some shots back at me I would love to but I love both of these guys I'm I'm with Danny I can really see this next year I I think age plays a huge factor in wide receiver from a dynasty community point of view when you look at ADP and I don't think it necessarily should so guys like Keenan Allen, 
Allen Robinson that are being drafted at the end of QB1, uh, uh, wide receiver one, can't get my words out, um, I don't think will be there next year because people will look at their age and think, well, I'm only going to have them for a couple more years. So I, I can really see this happening. And I like Danny's point on you could have dropped it to QB 2420, uh, wide receiver 2425, and added Boyd into it. Because I, again, see Boyd having a good year as well. Yeah, I, I think, so for me to give you the, the ADP, so Jamar Chase is going as the wide receiver 10 currently, and T Higgins is going as the wide receiver 24. So it, I guess it's not that hot because... There, all, there already is a, a top 12 wide receiver in Jamar Chase currently in, in Dynasty Value. Um, I guess for me, this is more of a Higgins take than a Jamar Chase take. And I think that Higgins is criminally undervalued. I think rookie wide receivers that put up the seasons that he put up last year, uh, uh, you know, the history of that is that they are then become studs. And that second year wide receiver breakout is, is what we all want. And I think that I fully foresee Jamal Chase coming into the NFL and being an absolute stud. You know, he was a 99th percentile receiver in my, my rookie receiver model. I think he is incredible. And I think that T Higgins is just as good. And I wouldn't be shocked if this offense, despite some of the issues still lingering around that offensive line, I think that this offense could be really, really exciting to watch because I think Jamal Chase and T Higgins are, are going to be uncoverable. And as you've both mentioned, I think Tyler Boyd is an above-average slot receiver. And I just think that this, this could be fantastic to watch. And, and these two guys are going to be guys that you will want to build your dynasty team around moving forward. So um, to, to, to plug another by low is, is absolutely T. Higgins is, is criminally undervalued currently. Yeah, I, I think Chase is going to go on the same trajectory as what Lamb is currently on. Lamb was drafted highly last year and he's only gone up in value. I think Chase is going to follow that kind of trajectory. And then Higgins is, I, I, as you said, I think he's going to go into the top 12. I think my one concern for Chase is that I think the type of receiver he is, where he is a bigger bodied, contested catch guy. If you watch him in college, all he did was he bodied up generally smaller DBs and bullied them. And I think that could he could have a slightly slower start in the NFL than we would like. Yes. Being with Joe Burrow, who played in college absolutely helps. And, but the fact he's, he didn't play last year and I just worry that we might have a little bit of a slower start. And I'd compare him to like a Jonathan Taylor trajectory where he has that slower start. People are starting to think, Oh, is Jamar Chase really going to be that good? And I then think he's going to have a fantastic kind of end to the season. And when players have that fantastic end to the season, you're suddenly in people's minds and, and your price does tend to, to creep up a little bit higher than perhaps it should. Um, so, Danny, do you want to finish us off with, uh, with your final hot take? Yeah, so this is where I added my extra spice, and that is Quadre Ollison, who is currently going undrafted in a lot of leagues, to be the number one running back in Atlanta by the end of the year. And I'm not confident in putting what his ADP will be next year, but I think he'll be he'll be the the RB one for Atlanta next year, and Mike Davis will disappear into obscurity. Um, I did write in the "Don't believe the hype" section around not being bought into Mike Davis, um, and I think that 
for a guy that had 247 rushing attempts in his career before what was a very good um, backup season behind CMC, who then went down and he became the guy. Um, I just don't see him being the Falcons RB1 for years to come. And I think this is when Quadrillism really takes over that backfield. And he is a guy that has averaged 2.3 yards a carry, but on 23 touches, got four touchdowns and he's a real red zone threat. And Arthur Smith coming over from being the offensive coordinator for the stud that is Derek Henry, I think will only help Ollison going forward and make him take that next step and become the guy in Atlanta. Liam, what do you think? Are you a Quadre Ollison believer? I haven't seen too much of him to know much. I think it's definitely possible by the end of the year, but I don't know whether that's going to hold come draft time because I don't think that that team's going to stick with Mike Davis or Ollison post-draft. I think they will either go out and get someone or they will draft someone. But at the end of this year, it's certainly possible. I always talk about it, and I know Rich has spoken about it a couple of times. Injuries happen and running backs are the worst position for injuries. They're the most common like position to have an injury. So all it takes is Mike Davis to have to get an injury. We're seeing stories come out of Ollison being the RB2 in camp. So all he has to do is kind of keep that during preseason. And then if Mike Davis does go down for whatever reason, and I'm not saying that any of us want that, but if he does go down, because it is a part of the game, all it takes is Ollison to step in and do well or be serviceable and he, he takes that number one role so I, I definitely see it happening but post-draft I definitely don't think Collison will be the running back one there yeah I, I think I, I I wouldn't be I think this is a great take I think that I wouldn't be shocked if it happens I think that there you can almost guarantee that there will be at least one if not two running backs that are currently going undrafted in dynasty leagues that will be you know top 24 top 36 backs by next year. You know, Miles Gaskin a year ago, he was the fourth or fifth back in Miami and no one knew who he was. You know, James Robinson a year ago, he was an undrafted free agent. Nobody knew who he was. We see it every year. Um, I think there's there's probably 20 or 30 running backs that it could be and and absolutely throw Ollison in there. You know, we've seen the recent news that he's, he's the clear-cut RB2 in that backfield. Yes, the Falcons have paid Mike Davis. He's got a two-year deal, but that deal can be cut after year one. And I, they, they owe nothing to him beyond this year, basically. And I, I think, do I think it will happen? No, I, I, I guess I'm still a, a believer that Mike Davis will be the one in Atlanta. But if I'm going to take a punt, why not? It's the reason why I try and roster, you know, 10, 15 running backs. Because I think that guys in this range, if they're going to be free, you know, as we said, he's one injury away from being a, a league winner. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining, Danny. It's been fantastic to have you on. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, and yeah, really great to, to hear your dulcet tones on, on the airwaves. Um, where can uh, where can we all hear you uh, or read your work and, uh, and follow you on Twitter? Um, so 
I exclusively write for you guys. I'm a I'm a five yard rush guy. Um, so I'm with your articles on the five yard dynasty and um, at dynasty Dan one is where I send out takes such as Quadre Ellison to become the running back of everyone's <laughs> hearts. Um, I, feel, I feel like I've got to ask this question because because uh, it, it's been bugging me. Is dynasty a northern thing, or am I the only person who says dynasty? I mean, I am from Bolton, so. I did come through the Bolton school system, so it might be <laughs> Dynasty. Um, I've, I have no idea because I know that Tom uh, of Five Yard College says Dynasty, um, and I feel like um, I don't know if I'm getting it wrong or if it's just a, a north-south divide that uh, that is a, a pronunciation thing. I'm uh, from the Midlands, so you've you got the, the north and south divide and then I just switch between the two I, I never stick to dynasty or dynasty so you probably heard that already listeners but yeah feels like Liam's sitting on the fence even in location <laughs> just just spends his life sitting on the fence that's that's Liam's I need to change my twitter handle to on the fence yeah absolutely <laughs> well thank you very much for for listening again this week guys um, keep your eyes peeled those listener leagues will be flowing um, they will be going live on the website very soon um, we'll be back next week with another great show but see you again next week redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.